There comes a moment when we can see and describe that world of possibility. And it begins to activate our nervous system. It begins to activate everything. And we see it. It informs our thought called inspiration. It informs our conversation called blessings. It informs our work of our hands called gifts. And we live in that world even before the manifestation of that world occurs. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Don't get nervous because you hear the word Reverend in front of my name. I'm not religious. As a matter of fact, religious people are, are trying not to go to hell. Spiritual people have already been there. <laughs> and so. And so we're keenly aware that there is a divine presence that's never an absence, that it is our very life and being, that we're emanations of it, and that it's seeking to become conscious of us as each and every one of us. Look around the room for a moment and see all the people that you've fallen in love with during these five days of transformation and celebration. Just release a dynamic prayer for all of these beings that they may wake up to their extraordinariness, that their magnificence. And realize, of course, as the law says, that you only get to keep what you give away. So as you are indeed casting prayer on all of these individuals, it's getting on you first. Now localize it just a little bit and look at someone sitting right next to you. And look at that being and say, oh my God. Out of 7.5 billion people, I get to sit next to you. And we've got something to say to each other. Now say this, you are extraordinary. There are gifts within you. There's dynamic love within you. There's infinite intelligence within you. And you have come to set it free. To make a mighty difference on this planet. Let's do this. Let's be this in the here and now. And so it is. Give a high five, a hug, whatever you have to do to seal the deal. And be keenly aware, as you already know from the beginning of our time together on Wednesday or whenever that day was, that you've been co-creating a field of love and beauty and intelligence, a field that is real as electromagnetism or gravity, A field of love and beauty and intelligence that's becoming active in you more and more and more and more that's pulling you out of the world of lack and limitation, scarcity, not enoughness, impossibility, thinking, racism, bigotry, homophobia, that world, you are pulled out of that world. And the conversations that you are having is beginning to create and for many of you is already magnifying the world that you're already living in. All of you know by now that there is a difference between the world and the planet. The world is a synergetic network of conversations, beliefs, perceptions, attitude, experiences that create a world. And the planet is, of course, Gaia. It's a three-fourths water. It's alive. It's vibrating. Its energy is becoming more and more awake, more alive every minute that we're here. And so there's a difference between the planet and the world. Two people can stand on the same place 
on the planet, but be in two different worlds based on their inner perceptions, their beliefs, their attitude, and their opinions. So you have created a field in which you are inviting yourselves to be in a world of possibility, to be in a world of intelligence, to be in a world of inspiration, to be in a world where the activation of your gifts, talents, and capacities becomes so vibrationally real to you that all that you see are open doors and possibilities, that all that you see are your assignments for downloading the world that most people can't see and anchoring it in time and space through your conversation, through your word, through your actions, through your deeds, and through your attitude. You're coming to an awareness, as you have heard the speakers speak this particular week, you have come to an awareness that there is a difference between consciousness and content. We throw the word consciousness around all of the time, but sometimes we need to just break it down. And there is a difference between consciousness and the content of your consciousness. Just as there is a difference between the ocean and the pollution in the ocean. They are not the same thing. Your consciousness, your awareness, you as an avenue of awareness is not the same as the content that is flowing through. The beliefs, the experiences, your perception of your past experiences, that's content. But your consciousness is your absolute awareness, that God consciousness, that love consciousness, that peace consciousness. You are becoming aware that you are aware And because of this week and the extraordinary work that you're doing upon yourselves, you're learning to separate yourself from content as identity and step into an ever-expanding awareness where you have choice to begin to identify yourself with that nominal awareness, with that, that which is beyond phenomena, that which has never been born, that which will never die, that which is your real life, which is extraordinary, which is light and love and luminosity. And the moment that you begin to disidentify yourself with the historical self, with the content, in that instant, you become available to rich inspiration. No longer mentation, no longer the regurgitation and the rehashing of the thoughts that are emerging from your historical self that has created a construct, a world of safety, a world of convenience, a world of comfort zone, compulsive behaviors, defense mechanisms that will keep you safe within the construct that the historical self is creating. Are you following what I'm saying? Am I speaking too fast? All right. And so in that instant, when you begin to disassociate yourself or have aha moments, insights into your ever-expanding awareness of your oneness with love and beauty and intelligence, this moment of choice, choice is a function of expanded awareness. Everything else is reaction within the construct. In that moment, you begin to break free. You begin to see that you have been indoctrinated by the world of appearances, the nefarious and malicious hypnotism from mass media about the world that you live in, and you have been reacting to that particular world. Many people live in that world. It's the world of appearances. It's the world of lack and limitation and fear, doubt, and worry. It's the world of business as usual. Humanity will never, ever solve any of these problems. So just get rich, be happy until you die, or be anti-bored until you die. But the moment you begin to break free from that construct, 
you begin to see a different world. You begin to see a world of possibility. You begin to see a world of opportunity. You begin to see a world where your assignment is. In the first world of a parent says, it's just trying to make it in the construct of separation, comfort zones, conveniences. In the second world, you see opportunities. You see possibilities. Every being that came up here during this particular week talked about seeing opportunity and possibility, even if it emerged from pain, whether it emerged from pain or insight, it motivated them to see the world differently. And then as you continue in your spiritual practices, as you continue making high choices, as you continue having a transformational conversation, as you continue to study, as you continue to open yourself up, to insight and revelation, you begin to see a different world totally. You begin to see a world untouched by time and space. Many years ago for me, as I was attending a, a USC as a psychobiology major, my trajectory was med school at that particular time, and I began to have a series of inner experiences that I labeled pathological. I was in the psychology department. You don't talk about dreams and visions. You don't talk about leaving your body. You don't talk about traveling and hearing conversations and getting it validated. That stuff was crazy. So the first thing I stopped doing at that moment was I stopped smoking weed. I said, there's something going on here. I can't control it. It's got to be the cannabis sativas. It's got to be. But the inner dynamic that was occurring got more and more amplified. Until one day, I was in a lucid dream, and I was stabbed in the heart, and the pain was excruciating, and I died. And when I woke up from that lucid dream, I could see that we were surrounded by this luminous presence. It was animating, animate, and inanimate objects. Everything was glowing with it. The beauty beyond description, the life essence moving through everything beyond what I even ever knew about at that particular time and the love that I felt penetrating every cell of my body temple that unconditional all conditional agendaless love at the core of my being shattered my perception of the world at that particular time and I could see a different world untouched by time and the circumstances it was real that world for many years was more real than anything and it took me a period of time to integrate that so that I just didn't look like a freaked out Jesus freak kind of guy. People thought I had lost my mind because nothing in this particular world had any importance to me. People were running around making money and doing all this stuff. I say, can't you see this world that is everywhere, that you're full to overflowing with the love and the beauty and the intelligence and a dynamic good that is infinite within you, that you never were born, you're never going to die. It's a constant unfolding of a life that is within you as a unique expression of infinite potential. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous and there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives 
were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. I could see it. And so that first world is the appearance world. The weapons of mass distraction called our media keep us in that particular world. Fight and flight, fear, doubt and worry, lack, limitation, scarcity, not enoughness. Just kind of take care of yourself and be anti-bored until you die. And then openings happen and you begin to see the world differently. There are opportunities in this world. There are possibilities. There's potential. There's assignments. The world provides for us our assignment to activate our gifts, talents, and capacities so that we take that assignment and that assignment as we move towards that particular assignment, activating our gifts, talents, and capacities, our life begins to change. That which is latent within us becomes active. That which is potential becomes possible. And we become different beings moving in the direction of what's possible, and then continuing our inner dynamic work, we begin to see a world, perhaps it's called a vision, perhaps it's called a dynamic dream of possibility, and from that moment on, we're pulled by this transcendent vision that becomes more and more imminent with every step that we take towards the activation of our potential, and we end up living in that world, even when we're in time and space. When Lisa Nichols was playing in that particular tape recording of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he had the capacity to live in the finished dream, even though he was going through the slings and arrows and oppression and degradation in time and space. The world that he wanted to live in was more real to him than the temporary experience that he was going through. There comes a moment when we can see and describe that world of possibility and it begins to activate our nervous system. It begins to activate everything and we see it. It informs our thought called inspiration. It informs our conversation called blessings. It informs our work of our hands called gifts. And we live in that world even before the manifestation of that world occurs. And as Tom Chi reminded us today, even if you fail walking in the direction of that world, your energy, the template, the vibratory frequency that you released goes into the newest sphere, the mental atmosphere of the planet, and it assists everyone continuing to unfold and grow, develop, and unfold to their greatest yet to be. As a matter of fact, 
when we talk about spiritual terminology and we hear the word image and likeness of God, people don't break that down as well. And they think that you look in the mirror and you say, I'm looking good today. God is looking really good today. But no, no, no. We're talking about a formless, intangible substance of love, beauty, and intelligence that's conscious of itself. The image and likeness of God means you share a faculty with the infinite, and that faculty is reflective consciousness, that you have the ability to think independent of circumstances. You have the ability to think independent of your historical self. You have the ability to think independent of anything that has happened to you and to make a new choice. The moment that that emerged in human consciousness, natural evolution stopped, and now all evolution is participatory. You have to participate in your own unfolding. It's not just going to happen for you. It's only going to happen according to your ability to participate as you are doing this week. You're participating with new ideas, new insights, new relationships, new revelations, shifting your priorities. You're participating so that that evolutionary impulse that governs all creativity, that evolutionary impulse is another name for God, that evolutionary impulse, you're giving it permission to take over. You're surrendering to it so that you're pulled by the new world, the eternal world of joy and harmony and happiness and love and peace, and you're participating in with your moment-by-moment-by-moment choice. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you getting it? And so as we're moving through these three worlds, as we're moving through these three worlds, we begin to navigate through these three worlds through many ways. You've heard people talk about it. Some people were motivated by pain, and it woke them up. Some people were inspired by an idea that captured them, and it wouldn't turn them loose. Whether it's pain or insight, we're growing, developing, and unfolding And from that stage two consciousness that Vision talked to you about in the construct of my four stages of spiritual growth, development, and unfoldment, stage two is motivation, external motivation. That's stage two. Stage three is inspiration from the mind of the infinite when you're captured by an idea. Stage two, you learn how to program your mind. Because your mind, in many cases, has been misprogrammed. You've been told that you're not worthy. You've been told that it's not enough. You've been told that the world doesn't work. You've been told all of these things. And so you become aware that you have a mind, but you're not your mind. And you can begin to program your mind. You begin to tell it what you want it to think. You begin to tell it. You're poised, confident, articulate, and spiritual, powerful. You begin to tell it. All of my needs are met. You begin to tell it. Everything is working together for my good. You begin to program the mind that all that I need is within me. Anything that I can want, hope for, and desire is already loaded and coded within every cell of my body, temple, every cell of my being. Even the spaces between my cells are full to overflowing with a luminous darkness that contains infinite potential. You begin to affirm and program the mind, and then you segue into a more of a stage three awareness where you're humble enough to ask for help, to be available. To be open, to be receptive, yielding, allowing, surrendering, not to a reluctant deity outside of yourself, but surrendering to the presence within you, surrendering to the next stage of your own unfoldment, surrendering to the next stage of your own evolving talents and gifts. You learn to ask for help. Now, a few months ago, I was in Costa Rica. I was out in the ocean, 
and I got caught in a riptide. And I didn't realize I had gone really out in the ocean. I grew up in Los Angeles and went to the beach all the time. We would never, it wasn't a beach trip until we went out and touched the buoy, and then we would swim back in. So I turned around, and I was way out. Like my daughter was with me, and she was like a little ant on the beach. And I said, whoa, I better get back in. And I couldn't. The riptide had pulled me, so I tried to swim to the side like we do, but there was another current coming in, and I couldn't move, and I was exhausted. And so I thought to myself, I had these prophetic dreams sometimes, so I I scanned my mind. I said, did I have any dreams that this was my last day on the planet? (laughs) Now, now we can laugh about it now, (laughs) but in that moment, I was saying, am I going to get back in? And so I checked everything. I don't have any dreams that this is my last day. Okay, I think I'm going to get in. And then there was a moment in which I got dunked, and I was under, and I swallowed a lot of water, and I had such peace. I said, well, if this is it, this is really cool, you know, but no, 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 this is not, I'm not doing this. So I programmed my mind. I said, regardless of how tired the body gets, keep on swimming in. Regardless of how tired the body gets, do not pay attention to the body. Keep on swimming. And then what came out of my mouth was help. I need help here. I didn't say it consciously. It just kind of just came out, help. I need help. Now, there was no one on the beach but my daughter. There was no one coming for help physically. I said, help. I need help here. And there was a quiet that happened. And then this small wave came and gave me a little momentum. Then another small wave came, gave me more momentum. And then the third wave came and I started coming in. It still took me a long time to get in. And I hurt my left shoulder trying to swim. But I finally got in. When I touched that sand, oh, my God. <sighs> thank you, God. Thank you, whatever name you want to be called. But I finally got in, and it took me a long time to recover. But I came back home, and I was telling a friend of mine who's a medium. I was telling him about this experience. I said, you know, I was in Costa Rica. And, and then she started looking. And she said, can I look? Can I look? I said, yeah, go ahead and look. She said... You asked for help out loud. I said, yes. She said, when you asked for help, at that moment, an archangel swooped down and ruffled the water three times for you to get in. I said, that's exactly what happened. And it reminded me, one, of humility to ask for help. It also reminded me that on an ancestral realm, on a shamanic realm, no one can interfere unless you ask for help. And so on one level, you program your mind so that it is fit, it is fit for success and well-being. It is fit for progress and unfoldment and evolution. You program it. On another level, you open yourself up and you ask for help. You become available. In other words, your AQ always trumps your IQ. Your availability quotient is stronger than your intelligence quotient. If, in fact, You open yourself and become available to insight and revelation. You ask for help. You become available to the presence that is everywhere, the intelligence, the insights that you're living, moving, and having your beingness in, the world in which your physical eye can't see, the world in which your ears can't hear. You begin to become so available, even if you think you're unworthy. Even if you think you're not smart enough, even if you think you're too young or too old, your availability, your ability to be open will trump the IQ, and you'll find yourself radiating a presence. 
You'll find yourself radiating intelligence. And what will emerge in your field are possibilities. In other words, in stage two, there's attraction. You're attracting things to you. Stage three, there is no attraction. It's radiation. It's already within you. You're now available to it. And you begin to radiate. And since we live in a field of infinite potential, when that inner condition becomes right, the potential rises. It's emerging. The gifts emerge. The possibilities emerge. There's no cause and effect at this level. Everything already exists in the field of infinite potential. And now you've become the right being through your availability. And that which is already here emerges via your radiation. Are you picking up what I'm putting down here? You catching this? And so in stage two, you have mind power. Sometimes that turns to willfulness. Stage three, you have willingness. Where there's willfulness, there's a wall. Where there's willingness, there's a way. It's a different frequency, a different vibration. Different frequency, different vibration. Take a breath here. Release. Ah. Take another breath. And so here you go. Continue to feel this. Continue to feel this. You have content. You identify with your content. You begin to identify primarily as a historical being. You identify with your expanded awareness through affirmative prayer, meditation, life visioning, yoga, whatever technology you're using. You begin to identify with the light and the luminosity of your being. You do not put down your human incarnation. You do not put down the historical being. That is your lamp shade, but it is not the light. We get to celebrate our lamp shades. We're black, we're white, we're straight, we're gay, we're bi, we're trans, whatever we are, we get to celebrate the lampshades, but that's not our primary identity. That's the shade. The primary identity is the hey historical being that never had a birth that's radiating and glowing through the lampshade. And here's what happens as you incrementally have insights into that awareness. You become impervious to the laws that have been set in motion by the lampshade. In other words, every temporary identity had its own mental laws and stereotypes and glass ceilings and things as to how people think about you based on the color of your skin or your gender. They have their own mental laws. When you begin to identify with insight and revelation, you can't pretend your way there. You begin to identify with your ahistorical self. You transcend those temporary mental laws, and you begin to evoke a law of love and beauty and resurrection and renewal and transcendence. It starts to take over your existence, and you begin to realize that for so long, you have not been in touch with reality. You've only been in touch with your thoughts about reality. Two different constructs. Two different constructs. I'll give you two examples. One, when I was attending Morehouse College before I went to SC, we used to do a practical joke. I don't know why we called it practical. <laughs> but we would take a book of matches, light a match, blow it out, and then we'd go touch somebody really fast with a cold match. They thought they were being touched with the hot match, and they would form a heat blister, and they'd be all upset. I said, no, 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 you did that. You thought you were being touched by a hot match, 
And so your thought about that reality created that experience. Follow me. And we'd have a crowd. And then they would do it to somebody. At the end of the day, people's coming to an awareness that their thinking was producing the heat, producing the blister, but it wasn't a match. Now, a few years ago, I was coming home from a conference. It was a conference that we had put on a season for nonviolence conference under the aegis of the Association for Global New Thought. Matter of fact, that was the last time I saw Yolanda King, the eldest daughter of Martin Luther King Jr. alive. She was a member of my congregation. On the way to the airport, I got into the airport uncustomarily early. Because I always have drama around airports. <laughs> I always stay where I am too long because I love where I am. You know, oh, I got to go. Okay. <laughs> I got there uncustomarily early, but I noticed I didn't have any names on my baggage. So I reached behind the bin there to get some baggage tags, and I was writing. And I looked up, and I saw this police officer looking at me. He was staring at me. And so I tried to ignore him. And you know what happens when you ignore somebody. You're engaged with them. I'm trying not to pay attention to this police officer. I get down on my knees. I'm writing my name on the bag, putting on the baggage. He gets on his walkie-talkie. And then there are two police officers standing there. So my historical self is thinking, did I do something wrong going behind there? And I haven't done anything. Why is he staring at me? So I try to ignore them both. So I get down on my knees. I'm writing, and I can feel them coming up behind me. And he says, sir? I said, yes. He said, me and my wife drew a line in the sand ever since we saw you in the secret. <laughs> and we were staring at you because we wanted to make sure that was you. Because you changed our lives so much. So I called my friend over here because I wanted to introduce him to you. Because ever since we saw you, we followed your work, we Googled you, we went on all this stuff, and we started taking your classes. I'm leaving this job in August because I'm going to go for my bliss now, and my wife is taking all these women classes, and we just wanted to hug you. <laughs> and so I'm standing in front of the airport hugging these two, which I thought were police officers. I'm hugging these two peace officers. <laughs> and we're just hanging out at the airport, just hugging and exchanging numbers and, and going through this. But the point is... I had an experience of my thought about reality. Now, let's expand that for a moment. Let's say I was really nervous and upset and, you know, cortisol started running through my body and my hemispheres stopped talking to each other and my immune system started to become squished and, and I speeded up my blood pressure and my aging started to increase. All of that would have been created by my thought about reality. It had nothing to do with what was real. What was real is two men were in love with me and wanted a hug. And the historical self, who had had different relationships with police officers, <laughs> like it's a whole different thing, you know, <laughs> was creating the reality and the construct within reality, and I was experiencing that particular construct, you know, it would have had nothing to do with what is real. The humanity through viewing through the lens of merely the historical self, has created a construct, a world, that it tries to be anti-board, it tries to cope, defend, and have compulsive behaviors. And you're here breaking free, breaking free. And so people ask, if we continue to do this kind of work, we continue to meet, we continue to collaborate, we continue to dive deep and activate our potential, we continue to understand the universal principles that govern reality. Is this going to save the world? 
And I say, no, 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 you're asking the wrong question. We don't want to save the world. Do you want to save the world where bigotry is still existing? Do you want to save the world where homophobia is still existing? Do you want to save the world where there's a big gap between the haves and the have-nots? Do you want to save the world where people actually think they can build a wall against Mexicans? (laughs) Do you want to save the world? (laughs) Do you want to save the world? in which we're eating depleted, neutered food, and you want to save the world in which we're polluting our environment and the oceans? Do you want to save the world in which there's mass incarceration? Do you want to save the world in which our taxpayer dollars is going to build more and more and more and more weapons while the other weapons are sold on the black market to fuel other wars on the planet for somebody's profit? Do you want to save that world? No, we're not here to save the world because the world is different from the planet. We are here to serve an emerging paradigm. We're here to serve a paradigm that we're beginning to articulate at a gathering like this. We're beginning to articulate a new world, a possibility. We're beginning to articulate it. And as we begin to describe and articulate this world, it begins to show up. You begin to collaborate. Collaboration is the new sexy at this stage of our evolution, you know? Immature competition is fading, and the new sexy is collaboration. Who are you collaborating with? Who are you working with? Who are you sharing with? Who are you sharing your resources with? It becomes the new sexy. So we're not here to save the world. We're here to serve that which was previously invisible, articulate it, until we become the instruments of its visibility. You begin to ask yourself, uh, am I representing with my thought, my word, and my deeds this world that I'm beginning to see? It begins to allow you to have moments of sobriety, not just free from alcohol and drugs, a moment of clarity is what I'm about to say or do Does it represent the emerging paradigm that I want to live in? It becomes a dimension of our practice so that we ultimately anchor. And then we begin to, as we've talked about here at this conference, the last time I was with Tom Chi, we were at a Success 3.0 conference in Denver two years ago around Halloween. And he came with his big brain, as he always does, and and wowed everybody. And I had the privilege of closing the conference with a description of what Success 3.0 meant. And I said, and this is fitting for us here, I said, Success 1.0 is I get rich. 1.0, I'm getting rich by any means necessary. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to have all of my needs met. Success 2.0 is I get rich and I become a philanthropist. I want to get rich, and when I get rich, I'm going to give. When I get rich, I'm going to share. When I get rich, I'm going to support things I believe in. Success 3.0 is in my business model is my give back. In my business model, as I am developing my business, already built within that particular model is my give back where I'm supporting the emerging paradigm so that my business is fueling and funding the world I want to live in. You guys are 3.0 success moguls. That's where you're living. That's your dynamic. You're not just trying to get rich. You're not going to wait till you get rich to do something good on the planet. 
it becomes a part of your DNA. And it comes from the fabric of your being when you have a realization, as was already said, it's about fulfillment, not fulfillment. It's not about fulfillment, it's about fulfillment. And that comes with an awareness. I was thinking, as Tom Chi was talking about the galaxies and the universes and everything, I remember this story about this little girl who was in a science module in her class. And the teacher asked the students, you know, what is the universe? And she said, the universe is one big orgasm. <laughs> she wanted to say organism. <laughs> but she said, it's one big orgasm. And the teacher said, that gives a new meaning to the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> but here's the deal. The proverbial Big Bang from this infinite void of infinite possibility, the luminous darkness that is the cosmos with a K, that undifferentiated wholeness of life and love and beauty and intelligence that birthed cosmos and universe and galaxies and trillions of galaxies within every universe. That did not come because we're worshiping or celebrating a lonely God. It wasn't, God is lonely, so I'm going to produce some people and some universe so I'm not lonely. No, it was out of a moment of celebration that was an orgasm. It was a moment of total celebration, total fulfillment, bursting into expression. You are here to localize a cosmic celebration. You are here. You've been dancing and celebrating since the time you got here. You have been hugging and embracing since the time you got here. You are localizing a cosmic celebration with the awareness you're already fulfilled. Everything you can want, hope for, and desire is within you, and that you're setting it free. And so your moment-by-moment -moment celebration, your moment-by-moment -moment claiming that your need is met, your moment-by-moment -moment coming out of the construct created by your historical self, fear, doubt, worry, lack, limitation, not enoughness, your moment-by-moment -moment insight, revelation, satori, your moment-by-moment -moment giving, your moment-by-moment -moment walking in the direction of your vision and a vision. is allowing a dynamic celebration to take place. Now, I want you to do something for a moment. I want you to close your eyes for a moment, and I want you to consider when the surface mind is running amok, when the surface mind is, from the historical self, is having sway, what does it say that you're missing in your life? Now, we know from a quantum level, from a spiritual level, there's nothing missing in you at all. You're not looking for anything to complete you outside of yourself. On a spiritual level, this is so. You know that everything you can want, hope for, and desire is within you. You know inside there's a fulfillment. You may not know it all the time. Maybe this particular entry into A-Fest is activating that within you. But there are times when the surface mind says, I wish I had more fill in the blank, more money, more prosperity, more peace of mind, more health, more love in my life. Whatever it is that appears to be lacking, just be aware of that, what that surface mind is saying. And we'll take you on just a brief journey 
I want you now to become aware of someone in your life or someone that you know where that particular quality of life is not an issue for them. That when you think about them, they're living that particular quality in abundance. Maybe they're surrounded by love. Or they're oozing with prosperity. Or oozing with a dynamic success. 3.0 success. They're oozing with a sense of peace. So when you think about them and you see them in your mind's eye, they seem to have what appears to be lacking in your life. It's the first thing I want you to do is to be aware that you can only see that in them if it's in you. Even if, if it's in incipiency, an embryonic state. In order for you to see it, it has to be somewhere within you and you are projecting it on them. So right now, take a deep breath. Release the sound of ah. And embrace the dynamic possibility that that which you're looking at you're looking with. That which you're looking at, you're looking with the quality. Next step, as you see them, I want you to begin to celebrate the good that's in their life. You're going to transcend the egoic perception of if there's good over there or if success has happened over there or if beauty has happened over there or love has happened over there, Ego might say, well, there's less of it for me. That's a thought inside the construct of separation, a thought about reality that's not true. That which is real is infinite. You are a unique being in a field of infinitude with a mandate to reflect and to reveal the cosmos in a way that has never happened before because no one can be you. So right now, I want you to think about a moment and maybe... I want you to think about a moment of sheer celebration, a moment in which you were caught up in the rapture of celebrating. And I want you right now, as you're thinking about that being that appears to have something that you don't have, I want you to celebrate their good fortune as if it's your own. Stomp, scream, shout right now. Just, just enter into the vibration of celebration. Let go. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.